Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. So what's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? This is Classified. This is Mocha Only. This is Sean Price. Yeah, Ghostface Killer. This is Quake Matthews. What's up, I'm Brother Ali. Fight Diggy, Tribe Call Quest. Eloquent, man. What up, Styles P the Ghost. This is Ab Soul. This is K.O. And you listening to The Come Up Show, where that feel-good music lives. Hey. This is the show that you come up on, yeah. This is the spot that you come up strong. Yeah. What's going on? Welcome to The Come Up Show Podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'm Martin Bauman. And today, my guest is a member of West Coast Royalty. He grew up in Venice Beach and still lives there to this day. He's got a Grammy for producing Last Call on Kanye West College Dropout, which was originally supposed to go to Jay-Z. And he's worked with everyone from Talib Kweli to Alchemist to Souls of Mischief to Action Bronson. He's also in a group you might have heard of. It's called Dilated Peoples. And they put out an album earlier this year called Directors of Photography. Yes, my guest today is none other than Evidence. We talk about everything from avoiding the pitfalls of fame to being raised by N.W.A., to why he thinks the world could be a better place, and much more. Take a listen. Evidence, first and foremost, I'm a huge fan of your work. I've been following you since your early days of Instagram. <laughs> You're funny. That was, that sounded pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so is that a, a true story? Did this actually happen to you? I'll leave that up to you. Good, good enough. Uh, I appreciate the storytelling aspect on the album. Uh, blow it up. That's actually bad we doing the interview. Okay. <laughs> Since the come-up show is we're based out of Canada, I have to draw attention to an interesting fact. You have two Juno Awards, I believe. Uh, I think I do. I think I do. How did you and Swollen Members first connect? Um, I met Swollen Members at, the, at a B-Boy Summit in San Diego, and uh, Mad Child had some amazing weed. And at that time, weed wasn't what it is now. If you had it, you were the man. And uh, I had a long drive, and my fifth year in my car had broke down, so I was about to have to drive back to L.A. in my fourth year like 45 miles an hour and uh it was like here smoke this and he gave me some amazing weed and that was like such a big deal to me that i was like wow i gotta hang out with this guy or whatever and we started talking and uh told me his favorite rapper was Sophia, and that he was you know west coast shit and yada 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 and um i just felt like just somebody i should hook up with and then he did a video with jason goldwatch who was also we were working with doing our first video for a third degree and worked angles back in 98 so um yeah it was just like mutual friends and I uh, went to Canada. He brought me dilated and AC alone to Canada for the first time. Did a show, and um, yeah, it was ever since then been really tight with him. I want to get into a couple of musical influences of yours. Uh, I watched your Crate Diggers episode and noticed you had a lot of Beatles memorabilia everywhere. Uh, yeah. What yeah, significance do they have to you? Uh, I just like the Beatles. My mom was a Beatles fan. I grew up listening to it. So um, yeah, I don't know. It just holds a special place in my heart, I guess. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, yeah. Favorite favorite Beatles song off off the top of your head? Uh, I really like the Magical Mystery Tour album. That album to me is the one. So um, I don't know everything on there. I'm the Walrus, Strawberry Fields, Forever, those kind of things. Speaking of that that Crate Diggers episode, tell me a little bit more about this record, Jam on Revenge by Nucleus. Yeah, that was one of the first records I heard. The first hip hop records I heard. Uh, I saw people dancing to it. Santa Monica Pier. And um, just the sound, what was coming out the speakers and what I was witnessing at the same time was like sensory overload for me. You know, it's just like, what are they doing and what is this and what, you know, I just couldn't process it. So my mom found out what the song was and got me the tape. And uh, yeah, that was a big deal to me. Just that song. I I didn't really listen to much of the other half of the album. I just kept playing that song over and over again. So 
it was what really made me want to get uh, just be a part of the culture and it was the first rap I ever memorized. I want to ask about one more musical influence. This is one that you mentioned on the song, Show Me The Way. Uh, you rap about being raised by N.W.A. How influential were they for you growing up? Well, I mean, we were all raised by N.W.A., you know, like if you're from L.A. and Probably if you're outside of L.A., if you're near my age group or anywhere close. Um, before that, it was like, you know, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince and things like that for me. You know, I was getting, I was getting what MTV was presenting to me or I was getting what, you know, K-Day was presenting to me here in, you know, hearing things, but I had never heard anything like, like NWA before. It was just the first thing that I had to listen to that I couldn't play loud enough because my parents might hear it and stuff like that. It was the first thing that was just like, uh, it was just shocking and exciting and everything at the same time. So, yeah, I think that that, you know, whether, whether we bought the albums or not, we were all one way or another raised by NWA. Tell me about growing up next to QD3. Um, you know, big producer at the time, uh, son of Quincy Jones. And, you know, it was just the first time I ever saw how rap music got made. I really didn't understand it up until that point. And um, he welcomed me in his studio. And it was like I was young, so I could go over there and wild out and do whatever I couldn't do at home. My friends found out he was a rap producer and the big artists were coming through. So he was like, come to my house. We might be able to go over to his crib and who knows what will happen. So, yeah, it was just exciting. Like, you know, most people think of a producer at the time. You know, this was pre-Kanye West or everyone really, Marley Mahler. I didn't know what a producer was at the time, even though those dudes were probably making beats. I just didn't understand it. There was no, like, I guess Marley Mahler was probably one of the first artists who had, like, his own album saying I'm an artist. But prior to that, like, most people, a producer's job was behind the scenes, like an engineer or anybody else who weren't like, stars. But for me to start to see it through QD3's eyes, I saw it as more of a party because he would chill at home, rappers would come through, they would leave, he would stay working on the music, he'd be having fun, he was scoring the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, doing all this stuff. So it just made me understand production like as my first introduction to rap. What kind of artists did you see come through the studio at the time? A lot of people. Um, I saw Ice Cube, I saw Everlast, I saw Too Short, I saw just, yeah, people that I had their, their help. You know, right next door to my house. So, yeah, tell me, okay, so with thinking about this framework of growing up on NWA, then seeing Ice Cube next door to, you know, to where you're growing up, tell me about that moment, if you remember that moment. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I didn't want to bother, I couldn't bother him every time someone came over. So sometimes it'd just be through my window or I'd see them leaving or pulling up in there, you know, and it would just be like, damn, you know, sometimes he'd bring me to the studio with him and I'd see him working on something in Ice Cube in the next studio all night, coming in and checking out what he was doing. At the time, Ice Cube was like, you know, the best, absolute best to me. So it's a trip. A lot of times like, you get to meet your heroes or people you look up to, but by the time sometimes you get to meet them, they're not in the prime anymore. They're not the person that you love them for. They've grown up or they've moved on. But hang out with Ice Cube or see him next door to my house in his prime with a Jerry Crow. That's pretty amazing. Uh, one one more question about that time period. Best, uh, do you have a best memory from that? Uh, whether it be encountering an artist uh, like an Ice Cube or somebody else, or uh, you know, just a, a a biggest kind of wow moment for meeting one of these guys. The far side when I was first, you know, um, Red Fu, who's LMFAO, the dude with the big hair, but he was a big rap producer. Also, he, you know, his father's Barry Gordy, and I actually introduced him to QB3, so that's how Quincy Jones' son and Barry Gordy's son became friends, which is crazy. 
they both they're both half Swedish. They both speak Swedish. When they met, it was like they were long lost brothers. But um, he was, you know, he went through a lot of stages before he was in the LMFAO. And um, I hooked him up with my friend Joey Chavez, and they made this remix for the Far Side for "Passing Me By," or one of those songs, right, right, like when Far Side was popped. And I, I was really into the Far Side. And um, we went to the studio, and you know, I was just sitting on the couch, like I was like the constant, like the odd member out kind of. Well, they were working, and all the parts I came in the studio, and um, I didn't have any weed, and they were smoking all this weed, and uh, do it. He was like, "Why aren't you Romai?" Or I think it was Romai or Imani, or one of them were like, "Why aren't you smoking?" And I was like, "I don't have anything." They're like, "Come here." I put out your hand, and I put out my hand. And they put this big green butt in my hand. They're like, "Now you the man," <laughs> <laughs> right? And at the time, you know what I mean. I'm 15 or 14. You can imagine. It's like that's that shit. And then uh, the other one was hanging out with Be Real, because you know, like. Uh, hooligans were alchemists, was alchemists in Scott Kahn's group, and um, going out with them on tour and be real, just like pulling me aside one night in the club and giving me a Cypress Hill rank, like, yo, rock this. You know what I mean? And little things like that, where you just do a nice gesture just to be cool, but you don't realize how inspirational that is. So anytime somebody wants an autograph or wants to talk, I try to do it, because even if I'm not realizing, it might mean something to somebody or whatever. So like those little things always stay with you. So uh, you just put out this album, Directors of Photography with Dilated Peoples, that happened, uh, that came out early August, uh, and you've been on the road touring that a little bit uh, across the seas in Europe. Tell me, uh, I guess, wh- where you went to and, and uh, kind of the recap of the tour there. We did a whole tour prior, two months before, in Europe, and then we came home, flew straight into the tour with Jurassic 5. We did throughout all the U.S., and then we went back, had the release party in L.A. and flew back to Europe for another two weeks. We just came home from yesterday, so... For like the last two and a half or three months, we've been on the road straight. And now it's been really good. And now a little bit of time off, or, or are you hitting the road back um, again soon? Well, shooting some videos right now while we're here. Hot dates in September, and then um, all you know, not to jinx it, but if it works out, we'll have a good U.S. tour by the end of the year to support the record. I want to get into a couple quotes off of this record. Uh, I'll start with one from the Dark Room. Uh, one thing that you say is, "This body's grown up and still clinging to these kids' dreams." Uh, tell me about yeah. that line. You know, I guess when you're getting older, you just say, I still feel young. I hear people saying that all the time. I don't feel like I'm 90. <laughs> it was just yesterday, right? So I guess that's just more of that, you know, because my energy is still pretty... I'm a creative person. I don't have much else. So I wake up, still make my beats every day, still do everything I did when, you know, kind of living in adolescent life in a lot of ways, you know? And so you look in the mirror sometimes, you're like, damn, that's crazy. I don't feel the way I look, you know, even though I look amazing. <laughs> uh, building on that and talking about kind of living off these kids' dreams, uh, another song on that album, "Cut My Teeth." You talk about how it all began. Uh, you talked about sort of your history of of uh, graph being a graph artist and and tagging and stuff like that. What is the best graph piece that you have ever done? Um, damn, I don't know. With that, you know, it is an eye of a holder. I think when you're doing pieces, you think everyone's the one. You know what I mean? It's just like any music or anything else you do. When you look back, time will tell. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. I never thought about that. Or what about the best, uh, maybe the best spot that you were able to hit? If that's not too uh, too incriminating of information. Yeah, that one's a little crazy. Um, you know, more than in a crazy spot, probably just like, um, probably like the little newspaper you know, 
newspaper thing or like a, a poll that just never went away, like after 10 or 15 years, just like a straight permanent, you know, like you did all this crazy shit and hung off all this wild stuff and ended up getting busted two weeks later or a month or a year later. And then you have like sick little poll tags or like a bus bench or something that just won't go away for any reason. Probably something like that. All right, uh, I'm going to ask about another another quote. This one comes from The Bigger Picture. Uh, one thing you say is, they shot a beetle. Do people still imagine? I think the world could be a better place. Uh, can you dig into the, the second half of that, You know, thinking the world could be a better place? I do think the world could be a better place, You know, especially if you're on Twitter and you just feel the world just unfolding by people's texts. It's like news 24-7. You know, I quit watching the news on TV, but ironically I'm on Twitter with more news than anywhere else. But yeah, I think, you know, I just, sometimes I'm just like, yo, this, humans are crazy. We're just, you know, I don't want to get too deep right here, but you know, I do think it could be a better place. So to to do better, I try to just be better. I feed the squirrels in the morning, ride my bike places instead of driving, smoke weed, drink coffee, and try to eat okay. And yeah, that's, that's as long as I'm just putting good energy out there. That's what I can do to make the world a better place. All right. Uh, moving on to another song off that album, Good Is Gone, you rap about. Uh, what's fame? A thin line. Uh, you mentioned something very similar in uh, your song, Let Your Thoughts Fly Away. You also rap, uh, In the Line of Fire is Fortune and Fame. T- uh, tell me about Ooh. sort of the connection between those two lines. I think it's the same. I'm saying the same thing twice, just different ways. But yeah, it's, it's like this crazy little tipping point. You know, you, you, uh, you don't realize it. it's like you can be just applying pressure, 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 and nothing happens, and then just one little touch, and the whole wall falls down, and it's crazy. Um, and, you know, I've just seen a lot of people go up and go down, shitty on the way up and nice on the way down. And, um, yeah, learning from that, it's just like um, certain choices that I make could literally put me over the edge. You know, what's famous in line, I've been thinking, walking over the edge, but keep blinking, taking two steps back to my zone for no reason, call it comfort, and that is not the best for my heart. So I'm saying, like, you know, I could easily push over that line and try to go pop or try to do something. I don't, you know, um, and, and that's comfortable. And comfort is not good for art. So it's like this trick line. Do I go forward and go out of comfort, but possibly walk into something that I know is not cut out for me? Or do I stay in my zone of comfort and be safe? Like, I think every artist goes through that. Now, you've, you've seen, uh, from your perspective, you know, you've, you've been in the, the hip-hop for quite a while and you've been able to see people come and go. Uh, what do you think the key has been for you to not cross that line and, and not, uh, you know, I, I guess to maintain longevity but not also uh, fall victim to some of the pitfalls of fame? Actually being, I just love music. I love doing it. You know, it's like I do it, I take photos and I love doing it. Lately, that's been, I've been getting paid to do some photo stuff, but I never thought about that when I was just shooting on Instagram. I never thought about money. I just wanted terrorists wanted to know my name or somebody to know my name, right? You just you live at home. You you don't have bills yet. Why your motives are more pure, you know? And so I always just revert back to that. I always think about what I felt like going over to QD threes or what those real moments were like. Having like you know people I model myself after, like Gangstar, or always thinking about what made me want to. You know, the evolution, just reverting back to the blueprint, you know, the architecture might be different, but building is still solid underground, and that's all that matters. So growing up in Hollywood, seeing a lot of people famous, being around famous kids, sons and daughters, not being so desensitized by by it, seeing Beach Street and Wild Style, but then also having Venice Beach there, 
So like the movie was a real was real life to me. It wasn't like I just saw that on the screen and then lived in a cornfield or something. So like the I've just I've seen the, I've seen a lot of people experience it. So it's not like this big pot that I can't touch. You know what I mean? And I've also had a lot of encounters with it. But for me, if you could go really pop and all that kind of stuff by doing the kind of music that I like, then I'd be all the way pop. It's just the music that you have to do to be popular all the way is not genuinely what I love. So. I just take it as it comes. I have two pieces of advice I want you to expand on. The first one is this. Uh, never get too excited when you win and don't get too down when you lose. Yeah, one's a winning number, two's the first loser. How the fuck can you win? Become a drug abuser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. Sure. It's just, um, I think that's just, that's, uh, you've had it as balance, that's what they're trying to say. All right, another piece of advice. Uh, avoid the unhappy and unlucky. Great word of advice. Unhappy and unlucky. Okay, so, I mean, some people have bad luck. You might not be able to figure that out right away. But avoid the unhappy for sure because life is short and energy is contagious and you can literally get sick from just bad energy physically. It can turn physical just by not having the right energy around you. So try to find people who enjoy the whole day not just the latter half of it and um hang out with people who don't hang out with anybody you wouldn't want to eat a meal with that's a good way of putting things what is something that you haven't done yet that you would still like to do um just keep getting better most people start young and they're, they're the best when they're young they don't have the weight of the world on their shoulders yet and they're you know they, they just haven't experienced hardship of life so they're really free to write have a lot of time to dedicate to it you know and um, as you get older it seems like just life gets in the way and because of that people fall off I don't think people forget how to rhyme cat and hat or forget how to clap their hands to a kick or a snare you know what I mean that doesn't happen you just get less motivated and because you get less motivated you do less and out of, out of before you know it someone just slides right up in your spot you know and then that that breeds um you know, lack of confidence, and then that person who was on magically just kind of their spot just got moved away. And um, with me, I'm just more at a place now in my life where I've worked really hard. I got my house I wanted. I got my car I wanted. I got my little things that I wanted. And I'm in a zone where I can really create right now and practice my craft. And the weight of the world is, you know, I've dealt with my mom passing away and real heavy things to where I'm just like, I got through certain things, and if I can get through it, then I'm just boom, there's a room, you know, and so I stay in hungry, stay listening to people like Fashion and other people and new new kids as well as the classics who keep the balance, always keep the balance for me and um, and just feel like if I can get better at taking, if I can get better on Instagram, why can't I get better on the mic or get better <laughs> at beats? It's like if you just have a desire, then what's stopping you, you know, but most of the people's answers are, I got to see my kid and my, I got to do this and child support and live a little taxes. And I'm finally getting to the place right now where I'm getting okay in all those situations. You know what I mean? I don't have kids still. Um, and I've been working hard. So if you work hard, you, you get money and things like that. So it's just like, I feel like I have room to create without the weight of the world on my shoulders. In fact, kind of looking at the world optimistically, I feel I can improve if I have a desire to improve. I think people just stop losing the desire. When all is said and done, what do you want your legacy in hip-hop to be? Yeah, that, that one, getting better. End of the catalog, kill the beginning of the catalog.
Well, there you have it. If you want to know more about evidence, go to thecomeupshow.com. We've got music and videos to check out there. If you enjoyed the show, help us out. Subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, too, at The Come Up Show. And tell your friends. Repost it. Reblog it. Whatever you can do to help us out. If you're in Toronto, don't miss Big Crit next Friday, October 10th. He'll be at Tattoo, and it's going to be a dope night. That's it for this week. Hope you enjoyed the show. Once again, I'm Martin Bauman. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.